all the dish that's fit to air. Cindy Adams is on 77 WABC. Good afternoon. I'm Cindy Adams, the same Cindy Adams who does the column in the New York Post. Look, I do this particular broadcast every Sunday on WABC from 1 to 2. Usually, I do some scintillating, semi-brilliant interview. Today, I'm reporting on me, just me. So how semi-brilliant it's going to be, this I don't know. Tonight, there is a documentary on me. That's the reason I'm doing this on me. It is a TV documentary. Everyone now has a TV documentary. The lone living being who's at the moment undocumentaried is probably Nancy Palauzi. Everyone else has one. The program on me tonight is titled Gossip. It's on Showtime, 8 p.m., an hour. It will be four consecutive Sundays. Half of it praises me. The other half poops on me. So, let's talk a little about gossip. First, to do it, were Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So you've got to think that this is holy work. Gossip comes from the word gospel. In the beginning was the Word. Throughout the centuries came the Word. Boys did it. Bees did it. Even educated fleas did it. Down at the riverbed, washing the caveman's loincloths, probably Nellie Neanderthal aired her own dirty laundry to Sylvia Cro-Magnon. Prehistoric beings scratched marks on rocks. Native Americans sent smoke signals. Egyptians knocked off hieroglyphics. Zeppelins skywrote. They all did it. We're talking before the facts. The cable, the radio, the billboards, the Morse code, the talk shows, the iPhone thing. It was all tell. Television, telegraph, teletype. Telecommunications, telephone, television, telemarket, tell a story. Right now, we have to take a few minutes for a station break because this radio station has to tell its story. A couple of minutes, and I'm right back telling you the history of gossip. A name you know who's in the know. It's the Cindy Adams Show, 77 WABC. It's Cindy Adams. I'm back again. As I have said, tonight, 8 p.m. on TV's Showtime, is an hour documentary on me. Its title is Gossip. It's a four-parter, each one on four consecutive Sunday nights, 8 p.m. on Showtime. The idea to do this was not mine. Its womb was within the pregnant cells of Imagine. That's a production company of multi-Oscar winners Ron Howard and Brian Grazer. They reached the New York Post, which then resurrected stories, photos, histories, front pages, and columns about me. Probably they even have my blood type on, on record. Next they came to me. Next, that was after months of doing this behind my back. My instant response was to call my lawyer. This project began three years ago. 
That was back when we had red carpets, backstage visits, galas, parties, interviews, openings, weddings, bar mitzvahs, crappy movie premieres, even $3 million fundraisers for diseases we didn't even have yet. But suddenly came TV, CV, and everything stopped. We couldn't go anywhere. We lacked footage. We figured the best we could do was fill in with photos of me embracing Alexander Hamilton when he founded the New York Post because I was there at the time. It was a tough go for us, and we had to fill in the best way we could. Look, gossip has changed. As I say on the documentary, anyone stepping forth today gets brutalized. Not easy anymore to poke your head out of the pack. Today, even subway flashers crave their name in print. Listen, nowadays, you want to get in front of the line at the Second Avenue Deli, you need an egg salad sandwich named for you. I am grateful. My friend of 25 years, Judge Judy, wrote about me today. There's a column about me written by Judge Judy in today's New York Post. I won't even mention that when I lost $11 to her in gin rummy, she, who makes $50 million a year, took it from me. I'm appreciative this paper's movie critic, Johnny Oleksinski, whatever his name is, he also did something in the paper for me, but I can't remember what. And a thank you to my editors, Keith Poole and Stephen Lynch, for organizing a big spread on me in today's New York Post. However, I would prefer a raise. When I suggested that, they said, listen, you're lucky we still keep you. Although the Guinness Book seems to have ignored my 500-plus front pages, some of my exclusives have been with His Majesty the Shah, Panama's General Noriega, Indonesia's President Sukarno, Governor Mario Cuomo, the first Jewish Miss America Bess Meyerson, the Philippines' then First Lady Imelda Marcos, Serbia's President Radovan Karavic, Poland's Lech Walesa, Trump, Reagan, Bush, Clinton's Princess Diana, Jackie Kennedy, Leona, ugh, me in prison with Robert Durst, me at the wedding of Liza Minnelli, whose temp husband wore more mascara than I do, Nancy Reagan, Barbara Bush, Adolf Hitler's secretary, Frau Gertrude Junger, Joan Rivers, whom her husband committed suicide, whose husband committed suicide, disgusting, awful O.J. Simpson, and it's just those few who hang on just one of my walls. And here are some of the stories. I was in a hotel in Beverly Hills. In the elevator was Robert De Niro. I walked into the elevator, and a little elderly blonde lady looked at him and said, Aren't you Dustin Hoffman? And he said, Yes, ma'am, I am. Where are you going to hear that? Except from me. Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton was the sitting first lady of the United States of America. 
she and I were at a club on 54th and 5th. It's called the University Club. It was founded something like 175 years ago, and it still has the original members. So there was a large room. It's called the Reading Room. And Hillary and I were sitting there chatting. And it was Christmas, and we were opening presents for each other, and we were rattling tissue paper. And suddenly from across this huge long room, a potted plant got up and walked towards us and said to me, who was holding out a cell phone, Miss, that machinery can not be tolerated here. The machinery was the cell phone. And then he went to the management and he had Hillary Clinton, the then sitting first lady of the United States of America, and me thrown out of the university club. I remember writing about it, and I labeled the, the story Geysergate. And then there's a little story I tell about Leona Helmsley. Now, Leona Helmsley, I knew because my husband, who was a comedian named Joey Adams, knew her husband, Harry Helmsley, very well. And so I became some sort of a friend, an acolyte of Leona Helmsley, who gave parties all the time. And it was always, the queen invites you. She was the queen, and she wore a crown of jewels. So one day... I said to her, because I couldn't think of anything else to say, and the conversation was sagging, she wore a pearl ring, which everyone has, the same cockamamie pearl ring everybody gets when they're 16. So I said, oh, I, I love your pearl ring. She says, oh, I'm so glad you like it. Two days later, she calls me and she says, you know that pearl ring you like? Yeah. Well, it cracked. So I'm getting myself a new pearl ring. Would you like the old one with the crack? That's not the first time I started not to like Leona Helmsley. We were talking. She knew I was with Imelda Marcos, and she said, Why are they all against Imelda Marcos? Why is she on trial? I said, Because it seems that she has had mathematical Alzheimer's. What does that mean? Well, she doesn't know where she mislaid 800 million U.S. dollars. And then Leona Helmsley says to me, Oh, only 800 million? I've got more. And then there was a nice little time with John Gotti. There was a time when I had some jewelry back in the old days, and for whatever the reason and however it happened, it all disappeared one night. Now, in the old days, my husband, who was a comedian, had worked in nightclubs. In those days, those nightclubs were all owned by people whose names we don't discuss. So Joey knew the people like John Gotti. Anyway, I said, all my jewelry is gone. Joey made one phone call. I don't know to whom. The next day, every single piece was returned. And then there's the time when we were talking about Imelda Marcos. 
She and her husband, then President of the Philippines, gave a party in my honor in Manila. Flying to Manila is not all that easy. It's a very long trip. I re- arrived there tired. And this was a gala. Everybody was dressed up. President Ferdinand Marcos, sitting President Ferdinand Marcos, was there. I was sitting on his left. And in the middle of the party, I fell asleep on his shoulder, right on his shoulder. And I was snoring at the party that was being given in my honor. There's another Imelda Marcos story. She was on trial. And when she was on trial, they were setting her her bail at something like $800 million. The lawyers came up to support her, and Imelda didn't want them to see that I was there because I was a newspaper person. So this was in the her suite in the Waldorf Towers. She locked me in the bathroom where I could hear everything, but they didn't see me. And so I saw them give her $800 million, and I wrote about it the next day. Ah, there are so many stories, just so many stories. My first day, the first story I ever had for the New York Post was December 1979. I was not then on the Post. I was having dinner that night with friends, and the Shah of Iran, who had just lost his country, who had just lost his kingdom, was in a New York hospital, and he was dying. One of the things he asked was for his sister, his twin sister, Princess Ashraf, to please call me, because I was a friend of the Shah. Why? It's another whole broadcast when you'll have to ask me, and I'll answer that. But the Shah was my friend. Here he is in the hospital, and his sister asks me, Please, will I come and visit His Majesty? Understand the New York reporter team was all around the hospital, 10 deep. They couldn't get in. They couldn't get to see the Shah. The best thing they could do was maybe somebody who was carrying a bedpan two flights earlier would know something. And here I am, ushered in. We sat there for two hours, His Majesty and I. And on the wall was a huge picture of a gorilla. And the gorilla was had his claws out and his fangs were out. And underneath it, it said, cheer up. Things have to get better. The Shah was dying. I wrote the story. That was long before I was ever on the New York Post. And in thanks, they did a world-exclusive all over, the whole headline, the whole front page, the New York Post's own Cindy Adams World Exclusive. Not only didn't they pay me, but they sent me a bunch of soup greens that were so cheap, it looked like it looked like soup greens, really. It was flowers, but you couldn't tell. Anyway, after that, they went after me constantly, week after week after week, for me to take over the column. And that is how I got into 
the New York Post. Listen, I remember so many stories. I remember Bess Meyerson. Bess Meyerson was the first Jewish Miss America. And she was on trial for her life. She was having a relationship with a married man, and it was front page, and it was headlines. And every single day after court, court was over about four o'clock, and she would come home. And where was she? Every single day of her life in court. She was at my house, and I was feeding her chicken soup and tuna fish salad. And the New York Post then editor called and said, Can you tell us where Bess Meyerson is? I didn't lie. I didn't say, No, I can't. I said, I have no idea where she is. And the idea was she was sitting right next to me eating tuna fish. But I wouldn't give her away. You don't give away a friend. There was Sukarno of Indonesia. He was the president of that country. And everybody approached him on their stomachs. They crawled to his feet to be received. And I was bringing him hair dye from New York and tinting his hair. Where are you going to get stories like this? Where? Barbara Walters. Barbara Walters was making a ship voyage. She was going to take a boat out of Rome, and they were paying her passage free, in return for which she was going to make a speech. And her plus one, the person she wanted to travel with, is me. Well, we made the plane, but a friend of mine, a doctor, a doctor gave me some Ambien, and he said, this'll put you to sleep so you get a little rest on the plane. It was supposed to be five milligrams. Whatever it was his nurse gave me, it was ten milligrams. I passed out. I woke up and took another one. I now had twenty milligrams of Ambien in me. I fell down. I was in a heap. When they served breakfast, my my face was in the omelette. They had to strap me into a wheelchair and wheel me up the gangplank to the ship. And here is Barbara Walters, who hasn't got the sense of humor, and the captain was saluting. Everybody was at attention. Miss Barbara Walters and this laundry bag, she was schlepping onto the boat with her. That was me. There's, there's so many stories. This Camilla, who's going to be our queen, you should excuse the expression, in England, she once said to me, you know, it's very hard being royal and standing at all of these parties and shaking hands. I said, yeah, what's the problem? She says, well, you know, I have bunions and my feet hurt standing in these shoes. When I get home with the prince, the first thing I do is take off my shoes and take care of my feet, and I walk around barefoot. You should know that when she becomes queen. Speaking of the queen, does anybody know what she schleps in that handbag? I would love to ask her. 
I watched her once when we were at the palace. When she's walking with one of her aides, she has the handbag hanging from her wrist. And when someone is boring her or she wants to be removed and moved on, she moves the handbag from one hand to the other. That is the signal for them to rescue her. It's the Cindy Adams Show, 77 WABC. So a lot of these stories that are in the documentaries, the four of them that are going to start on Sunday, Janae, I don't do a lot of these anymore. Today, practitioners have brutalized the industry. Barriers have lowered. PR freaks now do anything to get naked behinds publicized. Years ago, I stood with my longtime friend, Anthony Quinn, who was an actor in those days, and he was in his hospital room. He said not to mention it because another film wouldn't then insure him. I never mentioned it. Medics with bedpans two floors below did. So I'm not talking about what today's instant stars you can read about, because they're everywhere. Everyone is doing gossip. Newscasters are doing gossip. If you go upstate to some lousy little town, they're doing pie-baking contests, and then right after that, they're doing gossip. The gossip they might have read in my column. But everyone's, everyone's doing it. Whoever's unemployed is repeating what they've heard on a bot podcast. Tonight, today, Hollywood marriages are quicker. And I wondered why. I mean, if you go through Jennifer Lopez's lovers, there's just not enough time for you to actually write about them. First, oh, we're not dating. First, oh, we're just friends. First, oh, we're definitely not dating. Then we're hiding. Then we're moving in together. Then we're denying an engagement. Then we're breaking up. This is what happens all the time. It's different. If you watch Gossip 8 p.m. on Showtime tonight, I will, of course, be grateful, and I thank you. But I can't remember at this moment every one of the stories. You'll hear them all on the air. Some at the moment I can remember. I was on vacation with Joan Rivers. Joan Rivers was my friend forever and ever and ever. She she was terrified of ghosts. She believed in ghosts. We went once to a weekend away, and she said she couldn't stay because the closet was walking towards her. This is what she actually believed. And she put a sofa, she moved the sofa up against the door of our hotel room, and she put newspapers on the floor so she could hear if anyone came in. She believed in that. And that was Joan. I was with her when she passed on. I was in the hospital holding her hand when she left us. I can remember when Ronald Reagan was first made president. My husband was president of all the actors on the East Coast. The union was AGVA, 
American Guild Variety Artists. It still is in existence. Reagan, of course, was president of all the actors on the West Coast, movie stores. So they were very friendly, the two of them. When Reagan was elected, Joey and I were in Poland making a visit. This was communist days. Joey said, I've got to call Ronnie to wish him luck. I said, go ahead. So he picks up the phone and he says to whoever answered it, I have to make a call at noon. And the person said, you cannot make a call at noon. And Joey said, why not? And she said, because that's lunchtime for our operator and they take off. This was the major hotel in Warsaw. And we were calling the then president of the United States of America. You couldn't call him because it was a communist country and she was having her lunchtime. Barbara Bush, the wife of the elder George Bush. So I'm sitting with her. We were friends, and we were talking about makeup and trying to look well. And I said, Barbara, why have you let your hair look so lousy? Why is it silver? Why don't you tint it? And she told me this long story, which I will, as I remember it, I will make it shorter. She says, when he, George, was in Texas, he was a congressman, and he was making a big speech in a faraway town. I, at the time, couldn't accompany him because I was having my hair tinted brown. It was always brown in those days. When it was done, I was making an airplane to meet him. It was a tiny little two-engine airplane. It was a hot day. The plane was very warm. It didn't have air conditioning. And as it rose higher and closer to the sun, it got hotter. And the tint on my hair began to run. And she said, I reached into my bag and I took Kleenex and I stopped the rushing of the tint down my face. But it kept running. So then I went for a handkerchief. The handkerchief stuck to my head, and I had to pull it away. And then I went into the ladies' room for toilet paper. And the toilet paper was now stuck all over my face in brown dots like I had the measles. And I was so embarrassed, I didn't know what to do because the plane was about to land. It landed. I was so nervous. They had a, a, a an orchestra at the, at the uh, airport to meet me. And I tripped coming off the runway and I fell into the tuba. And because I fell into the tuba, said Barbara Bush, I never ever tinted my hair again. I remember being with Princess Diana when she was in Brooklyn. She came to Brooklyn for some ballet. And she needed to go to the ladies' room. And there was a toilet that was blocked off just for Princess Diana. And the sign, Princess Diana's Toilet. I mean, that's the height of being important. You got your own can. Oh, do you remember a lady a thousand years ago called Raquel Welch? She was hot for about an hour. 
I was on television in those days. The show was called A Current Affair. It was the first TV conversation where you talked about stars. Rupert Murdoch was behind it, and he had somebody doing it, and they had me on as the star of the show. And I was about to interview Raquel Welch. The night before, I had spoken with friends who said, she's the worst. Do not ever get near Raquel Welch. I said, oh, okay. Next day, I'm interviewing her. And I said to her, are you difficult? And she said, why do you ask? I said, because someone said you're difficult. She said, and you are a witch. Oh, she didn't say witch. And she tore off the mic, walked out, and left me sitting on a chair, staring at an empty microphone. I remember Raquel Welch. My friend Judge Judy, she was on her way to meet me one day, and she put her wig on backwards. She was in the gym, in the gym and she put it on in a hurry without a mirror. Val Kilmer. You may have read that Val Kilmer is not well. He is not able to speak clearly. One day he came to my house here in New York, and when he was quite able, I then had to go out. I had a previous appointment. So I said, Val, you can stay, but I have to leave. I'll be back in an hour. So Val got completely undressed, took a shower in my home, and then got all dressed and went out to dinner with me. Remember a lady a thousand years ago named Betty Grable? Betty Grable once said to me, she had a dream. Okay, what was your dream? She said, I dreamt that the one thing I want, I'm famous, I'm rich, I'm in every movie, but the only thing I want to do is to take a steamship across the Atlantic for five days and have somebody make love to me every day for five days. Hey, it's not a bad idea. I thought it was a good idea for me, too. I've been on trial with Robert Durst. I was in jail with him. Brian Cranston? Ask him how he met his wife. He met her when they were both naked in a tub together. No wonder they got married. What else is there to do after you're naked in a tub with a guy? When I was in Israel, the first time I was in Israel was when Israel was brand new. And it was Golda Meir's day. And I was there seeing the early days. And they sent me into the Negev, which today is beautiful and planted. In those days, it was barren. And the, the sheikh wanted to do a dinner in my honor. And I was very thrilled. And he gave me what looked like a grape. It wasn't a grape. It was the eye of a dead goat. And he says, that's our greatest gift. So I told him what he could do with his eye of a goat, and I didn't eat it. Listen, documentaries are keeping us alive. They're keeping TV alive. What else can you watch? In crime-ridden cities, what? We should watch the 800th Law and Order? Or something light and frothy like The Handmaid's Tale? Maybe, maybe an acting lesson with Lindsay Lohan?
How's a fashion segment with Mrs. Biden's 300 flower-printed dresses? The only thing that they can fill the time with is documentaries. Like maybe the next one nobody wants to miss on Mrs. Marco Polo or a Nat Geo six-parter on how to make sand. Listen, if you watch Gossip tonight, 8 p.m. on Showtime, I will, of course, be grateful, and I thank you. If not, if you manage to scramble together any late hot news that you can spare on anybody, call me at W. ABC. And if not, you'll catch me again next Sunday from 1 to 2. Thank you. Bye. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.